today on CityCast Salt Lake. I love eating out. Whether it's grabbing an ice cream or sitting down to a full plate, there is no joy like being in a restaurant with your neighbors. The Salt Lake Tribune's Utah Eats reporter Stephanie Russell is here, and she and producer Nick Steffens are joining me to get caught up on the places we've lost in Salt Lake's food scene and the establishments we're excited to welcome. It's Friday, April 1st, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Nick and Stephanie, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Hi, Ali. Hey, Nick. Hey, Ali. Thanks for having me. Nick, of course, is our lead producer on the show. And Stephanie Russell, welcome to your first CityCast Salt Lake. First of many appearances, I hope. You are the Utah Eats reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune. And that's a new role for you, right? Yeah, actually, I was in St. Louis for years. And mostly what I did in St. Louis before I moved back to Salt Lake was I I did arts reporting. Mm. So, I mean, I did do some food writing. Um, I worked for the newspaper there. How are you settling in? I'm curious how you're finding Salt Lake's food scene. What strikes you? Well, when I left, I moved out of Salt Lake in 2001. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it was a very different place. Yep. I moved to the Midwest and it really wasn't a big culture shock because I feel like Salt Lake's food when I left was essentially kind of Midwestern mm-hmm. with sort of a LDS flair, yeah. you know, like frog eye salad and all of those good things. Casseroles. <laughs> yeah. And um, coming back, I'm like amazed at just how many restaurants are opening. It blew my mind. I knew the food scene here had kind of exploded, but it, you know, until you really dive in and experience it, it's it's like, you can say, wow, Salt Lake's food scene is so much more complicated and sophisticated than it was when I left, but experiencing it is, you know, obviously very different. Totally. On that note, I want to talk about some of the tectonic movement in Salt Lake's food scene right now, because it feels like, and I'm curious what you both think, but the pandemic, of course, had a huge impact on all small businesses, all businesses. And, um, that and I think probably a dozen other reasons have led to some growth and some new arrivals and also the departure of some local faves. Um, so I'm curious, uh, Nick, who's headed out of town that you're sad to see go? Where are you going to miss eating? You know, every time I drive through the Ninth and Ninth neighborhood, I'm sad to see that Moss is not there. That yeah. That restaurant felt like a staple of that neighborhood. Obviously, incredible lunches, incredible dinners. Um, But Mm -hmm. more than that, it felt like it was, you know, just so central, so woven into that particular neighborhood. And so it's nice to see a new restaurant there. I haven't tried it yet. I do like chicken, so I'm excited to see what's taken. It's the crack shack. Yeah. But nonetheless, every every time I drive by there, I have a little ping of sadness at how the neighborhood is changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's also a restaurant where like the owner, Ali, is such a part of the dynamic of like eating there, you know, the kind of owner that will come over to your table, ask how things are doing, like remembers your face, remembers mm-hmm. your name. That charm is, I think, missing from the Crack Shack. But yeah, Maza, I mean, like in terms of vibes, A plus. 100%. Did you ever get a chance to eat there, Stephanie? 
No, and Ninth and Ninth is my neighborhood, mm. and uh, I'm so, I've had several people mention it, and I'm heartbroken that I never got to go there. I I arrived post Crack Shack. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm in the Crack Shack era, Ninth and Ninth. Right. I did go there because I felt the only place I haven't tried on Ninth so far. Well, there's two places I need to go to Lola, and I need to go to Spilled Milk. Mm. Um, it was too cold to go to spilled milk until I just don't want to eat ice cream in the winter. Yeah. I just can't do it. That's right. But I did go to Crack Shack and, you know, it is its own kind of vibe, right? But I think I would have been a Masa person as well. No no, no diss on Crack Shack. It's, yeah. It feels like it's very much like where high school and college right. kids go and mm-hmm. hang out, which is like you need those kinds of places. But um, it sounds like Masa was a place where there was like a broader mm-hmm. kind of, you know, different like families young people old people i don't know i'm just kind of imagining what it was from what other people have yeah that is right and to your point i will say i i formally taught high school kind of up the hill from ninth and ninth and spilled milk gets rave reviews from the 14 to 17 year old crowd Hmm. oh good to know Mm -hmm. i did go to the breakfast cereal place out in draper um stirs which was an extremely odd experience i haven't even heard about but i recommend it yeah it's in a strip mall Mm -hmm. and it's there's these silos of breakfast cereal and you can mix it you can put chocolate milk on your cereal you can what (laughs) this is my dream yeah you should go it's something every person in utah should do once right you have all you can eat cereal on a giant bowl and a medium-sized bowl so But the, the day we were there, there were a group of tweens doing TikTok videos in front of the cereal silos, and I almost got elbowed in the head. It was a very exciting experience. Oh, my Welcome God. To this Draper. is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quick question on the cereal place. What's the ambiance? Like, do they have a giant TV that's playing cartoons or, like, no? No, they should, but they don't. No, it's just – it's like – a, a room full of silos of cereal and a, a milk station. Wow. And and they have T-shirts and Cap'n Crunch scented candles, like this little boutique. I'm, I'm sure that's somebody's heaven. It's quite the experience. Yeah, oh for sure. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I hadn't even heard about this, so this is exciting. Now I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> Friday night is too exciting for grown-ups. Oh, I yeah, think, that's so true. That. It could it's also the, be. the tweens take over, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, FYI. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a dream to be an extra in a TikTok video. As someone who babysat right. during like the arrival of TikTok, I have mm-hmm. been an extra in a lot of TikTok videos. Oh, so you'll – yeah. So I'm ready. Be, yeah. Yeah. I can learn to dance quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Stephanie, you've done so much reporting on – the restaurants that are leaving Salt Lake and sort of the shifting dynamic. I'm curious what you're going to miss eating in the near future here. I mean, I will say, I I know I had been to El Rancho Grande at some point Mm -hmm. and I went out there and talked to people who were kind of flowing out of the building last week. Yeah. It was like so striking to me how, I mean, we were talking earlier about those places where the owners and the customers have this relationship with each other and it's a family owned place. And, you know, it's just, I talked to people who had celebrated their graduations there or their wedding showers. And, you know, it was just this deep, meaningful place. Mm -hmm. And people were genuinely heartbroken, like people on the edge of tears, you know. It was just like really striking to me. There's something beyond food that's really important about restaurants that I think sometimes gets Mm -hmm. lost. Mm -hmm. Like we just don't think about it. It's not as top of mind maybe as it should be. Mm -hmm. So I was really sad to see that place close just because it was such a loss of meaning for that particular community. I will say um, 
the place that I am already missing is Rico Cocina, which Jorge Fierro and um, is the owner and I think a Salt Lake icon. Mm-hmm. So Rico Cocina in the was in the Granary District, and in the front mm-hmm. was Frida, the mm-hmm. restaurant, and then in the back was basically the the operation of making um, food that you can still buy in restaurants. Um, and I actually don't know where they've moved their operation to, but I know they had to get out of that giant warehousey building that they were in in the Granary District. And I don't think, A, like we can talk about the evolution of the Granary District without talking about the departure of Rico mm-hmm. because they were the, I think, the place that gave that neighborhood a vibe. Mm-hmm. And then the vibe grew so heavy that there was then no place for Rico. And I think that is like the true nightmare scenario of gentrification when we talk about it. Like, um, and that, that space, like if you're a Salt Laker who's ever been to like a nonprofit event or had a like Christmas party with your coworkers, like that space served so many purposes. It was enormous. Mm-hmm. Jorge was always happy to turn it over to folks that you could go in and like learn how to make tamales and be part of the process. And it was just like a really incredible community space. And I think it's missing and there's like a big gaping hole and I don't think that it's been filled and I don't know that it really ever will. Well, to that point, the, um, that business was so involved in that particular neighborhood, um, with Mm. the, the community outreach with, uh, making food available to unsheltered folks in the Pioneer Park area and around it. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it, it was more than, than just a restaurant, more than just a business. You know, it really did feel again, like one of those neighborhood staples. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. The other place that I'm really missing, and (laughs) this is going to be a bit of a controversial mention, but (laughs) Tacos Mi Caramelo. I miss that place almost every single day. Of course, the restaurant closed because the owner was arrested because they were allegedly involved in the kidnapping and murder of an employee. So incredibly grisly conditions for closure here. But the space itself, the the restaurant itself, I think was such an important part of the community. And it also, it offered something that I think has yet to be fully replaced, which is On the weekends, they were open 24 hours. You could get tacos 24 hours. And on weekdays, they were open until midnight and sometimes 1 a.m. And in terms of Salt Lake food culture, I think something that's really missing here is late night eats. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, if you went into Tacos Mi Caramelo at, like, 3 a.m. on a Saturday, you were not only seeing the, like, party crowd that was getting some late night food to sober up at the end of the night, you were also seeing like people that had just gotten off of work or just like come from the airport and needed to eat something before they went to bed or whatever. And that is truly irreplaceable. Like when I think about what Salt Lake's food scene is missing, I think it's, if you're a bartender downtown, it's a place to eat after your shift that isn't the 7-Eleven. That actually has struck me very hard, like just how early everything shuts, at, like the everything just rolls up at 11 o'clock here, which is weird to me because I, you know, in St. Louis, like you have brewery workers who do swing shifts and everything. Mm-hmm. And there are people who eat breakfast at 
three or four in the morning. So like there's some place to go all the time. And and other cities I feel like have that too. And I haven't quite figured out like why. I mean, I, I've, I figure part of it has to do with liquor laws and stuff, yeah. but I, you know, it seems like everything closes up super early, mm-hmm. even if there's like not liquor involved. I guess it's just a cultural thing. Yeah. Or the classic, yeah. like you go into a bar and it's like 10, 15 and you're like, oh my God, I'm starving. Is the kitchen open? And they give you that look that's like, no. <laughs> they roll their eyes at you. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm sorry. Why did you even ask? Yeah. <laughs> Would you like a bag of chips? Like, <laughs> we can't help you. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm curious uh, what you all are excited to see arriving in this city. Nick? If you have talked to me in the last 10 years, you've probably heard a rant about how Salt Lake lacks a great breakfast sandwich. There's not a great breakfast sandwich in this town. There's some okay breakfast sandwiches in this town, mm-hmm. Beltex, Oasis, Cafe Oasis, so on and so forth, but nothing mm-hmm. great. But that has changed. That changed over the pandemic with Central Ninth Market. Mm-hmm. That sandwich shop, I, I started thinking about my next uh, Central Ninth Market sandwich the moment I finished my first one. Yeah. I go there at least once a week. And their uh, their breakfast sandwich, it's made on this kind of like homemade, um, made, you know, made in store, you know, kind of focaccia bread, heavy mm. on salt, heavy on oils. Mm. And then you can yep. just get this egg and cheese sandwich that is, I mean, it's to die for. It's amazing. It's, you know, and so um, I have to find something else to rant about now because yeah. that, uh, that gap has been filled. <laughs> yeah. Would you classify it as like a bodega style breakfast sandwich or like a luxury breakfast sandwich? I mean, it's definitely not a bodega in terms of price. I mean, I think it has a lot of the same characteristics, but it's a higher quality ingredient. And okay. Um, okay. and also, let me just say, worth every penny, worth every penny. But mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. it's it's a, a mid-priced sandwich. Also, in terms of breakfast dining, honorable mention to Santo Taco for having delicious and incredible breakfast tacos, which to your point, Nick, I think the breakfast taco is also lacking in this city. Lacking here for sure. I got really excited when they announced them, but then found out they were temporary. So Santo Taco, if you're listening, please make them a permanent fixture. And I'll say it's it's kind of shocking because I would say that Salt Lake does not lack for great breakfast diners. It doesn't lack for mm. greasy spoons, and I love a greasy spoon, you know. And so, yeah. um, I I don't know. It's just it's it's been shocking that um, that it's taken this long for that top tier breakfast sandwich to enter the scene. In my opinion, I mean, you could also go to the Chick Fil A on twenty first and get a breakfast sandwich, but you might get hit by a car on seventh waiting in the <laughs> right, line. Exactly. So, um. I will say, I think the sandwich culture in Salt Lake in general could use a little zhuzh. Mm -hmm. We have Siegfried's, we have some great delis, but something that is interesting to me is that I consider Salt Lake a mountain town in terms of vibe. And every mountain town I've ever lived has had like a really intense deli sandwich culture because the the sort of perfect weekend activity is you go, you get some sandwiches, you take them with you to either the top of a mountain or a lake or a reservoir, like on a hike. And in terms of places to go and just get like a packaged up delicious sandwich that is not hot and will, can endure like a couple hours in your backpack and still come out stellar, there aren't many. And it surprises me there aren't, especially also with like ski culture. You know, if you don't want to spend $17 on a hot dog up at 
Park mm-hmm. City Mountain, like throw a sandwich in your, you know? And so I don't know. I just like, I think we need more delis. I want more delis. I would agree with that. I've heard Feldman's is really good mm. and I have not made a recent visit to Siegfried's, but I was a a regular at that place, but they've moved actually. They're like in a different spot. I was like really disoriented, like, oh my gosh, they're like in this totally different mm. spot and they look much fancier than they used to, mm. but I need to pay them a visit. Yeah. I've actually never been there either, which I feel like really undermines my whole <laughs> rant about how sandwiches. Sandwiches. <laughs> Oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. A lot of people really like buds too, which makes a vegan sandwich Yes, I've heard great things about Buds. Yeah, there is mm-hmm. always a crowd lingering out there around noon waiting for a sandwich. Um, Stephanie, what are you excited to see arriving? So I reported on a place called Neutral Ground. So there's a chef who's moved here from New Orleans, so it's NOLA food, mm-hmm. but like the real deal, mm-hmm. like lots of butter and cream, mm-hmm. and um, he's opening this whole like NOLA lounge. And so I think Salt Lake needs a huge you know, dose of, of New Orleans, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it could use that just to temper things a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm really excited for that place to open. It opens on the 20th of April. Okay. So a couple weeks from now. Yeah. And they'll have like, I mean, they, they do take out now, which I just haven't had time to order, which sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? But um, I'm almost like, yeah, I almost want to wait until he opens and like sit down and eat it there, you know? I will say um, I think that takeout is never a good way to try a restaurant for the first time. I agree. And so that's why I'm like waiting, even though I'm like yeah. super curious mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. Because something is always lost, whether it's like flavor, temperature, mm-hmm. like right. the bread getting too saucy mm-hmm. in the packaging process. And so like mm-hmm. takeout from a restaurant works if you've eaten there before, because then mm-hmm. – it inspires a little bit of nostalgia and that can be more forgiving to like the mm-hmm. food. But if you're trying a place for the first time, I think you got to sit down and let them give it to you on a plate as as it should. I agree. Yes. I'm trying to do the like real experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. The place that I am really excited to see in Salt Lake is actually a bar. It's a dry bar that is on its way to us. It's called Curiosity SLC. And their tagline is same social habits, different ingredients. And this is going to be a liquorless bar, basically. So you go in, you can order a cocktail, but there is no alcohol in the cocktail. And for those of you that are maybe shaking your head, (laughs) I will say I love going out. I love drinking. I love I mean, like, I'm the first person asked for a floater in my beverage, right? Like, I'm here for alcohol culture. But I also think there is a lot of value in creating a space for whether or not you do or do not drink. Like, I think this place doesn't need to exist on the Salt Lake binary of, like, drinkers and non-drinkers because I think we refer to that maybe too much when we think about our going out culture. Sure. Um, but, like – dry January or just like, just like wanting to go out and like not feel like shit the next day. Or like maybe, maybe meeting your coworkers after work and having a space where everyone can gather and still enjoy the same vibe without the pressure of drinking. Um, so I think this is going to be a really interesting experiment and I'm excited about it. I hope it succeeds. I will say also, I think 
the reason it's important to have a space that is a dry bar and not just like a coffee shop or a a community center is that there is something about just like a bar or calling something a bar that's a little bit of a permission slip to talk to strangers and like let loose. And even in a coffee shop, especially in the modern era where it's kind of like everyone behind their MacBook, like that is not necessarily a social space. And bars are really important for building community. Like if you've ever moved to a new city, you go out to a bar, that's probably where you made your first friend. And I also think those are really important spaces for community organizing. And so having a space where people can come together and make plans for the community that doesn't necessarily include alcohol, but still creates an ambiance of comfort. I'm ready. Do you know, Ellie, is this going to have an age requirement? Do you have to be 18 or 21 to go in or is it all ages? That is such a good question. That is such a good question. Because that certainly that certainly changes the vibe as well, too, um, whether it's an mm-hmm. adults-only space or if it's a place that can be um, mm. populated by high schoolers and teenagers. Mm-hmm. And- mm-hmm. It's such a good question. They are being a little bit mysterious in their launch. I haven't been able <laughs> to find a website. So we'll see. But you're right, Nick. I think that is those are two very different vibes. Because if it's under 18 or under 21, that's more of a soda shop. Right, exactly. A, mm-hmm. a sit-down soda shop. Yeah. A dimly lit soda a shop. dimly lit soda shop. <laughs> it would be more like, um, like a, a fancy dessert place vibe, I would imagine. Yeah. You see a lot of date nights at, um, at, at some of these upscale dessert places around downtown, and mm-hmm. it works. I say I, I see it. I can see it working. I also mm-hmm. cannot see myself going. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just once just to kind of like experience it, you know? Yeah. Come on, Nick. I'll be there. I'll be there playing mm-hmm. cards. All I ever want to do <laughs> is just play cards with strangers. So this is like... If this is a card-playing, facilitated ambiance, I'm there. Hey there, it's Allie. Just taking a moment to say, have you thought about advertising on CityCast Salt Lake? If there's anything we've learned making this show and newsletter, it's that our audience is made up of incredibly engaged Salt Lakers. They care most about what's going on in town. They're the first to try new restaurants. Honestly, they're tastemakers. So if you have a business or an event or an organization that Salt Lakers should know about, consider spreading the word on CityCast Salt Lake. Find out more by emailing us at ads at citycast.fm or checking out saltlake.citycast.fm slash advertise. Okay, I will say last thought, I don't think that we can talk about the arrival of new restaurants without talking about our girl, the DABC, because Mm -hmm. the DABC, basically like you can't open a restaurant in this town without its blessing. Ben Winslow, of course, refers to it as the liquor license gauntlet. And Stephanie, you've done a little bit of reporting on this. Who's winning liquor licenses right now? Are there trends? <laughs> if there are, I, I don't see them. I mean, they do have uh, sort of a subgroup that talks things through before the the open public commission meeting mm. happens. And it's <laughs> it's funny. It's got a little bit of a people's court vibe mm. when you go to the meetings. You know, people kind of arguing why mm-hmm. they should and shouldn't get a license. Mm-hmm. And this past... So I started going in January, and I guess uh, Trolley Wing Company had been at the meeting since last fall. Yep. And it was... 
I mean, it really is just like this Game of Thrones game, you know, where you're it's like, who's going to get it this time, yeah. you know? And it, and it's, and the trolley wing guy was saying, well, this almost seems kind of arbitrary. I don't think it is. I know that they, I think they are trying to be pretty careful and balance things out geographically. And uh, I mean, when you only have two liquor licenses and 18 people lined up for, I mean, like, how do you, how do you, like, how does that algebra work out? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's, a lot of pressure on them. And um, I mean, they seem pretty thoughtful about how they allocate these. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, I mean, all they can do is like work with the information that they have. And I mean, I I don't know. It's a, (laughs) I think the bottleneck is the huge problem. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're kind of like squeezed in the middle and it's, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's, it's a mess. I was like, I was thrilled to read your article earlier this week that the, Trolley Square, Trolley yeah. Wing Company location got its license, got its license back, or got it, got it. I, I guess they shifted it. And now they got a second one to to bring right. because, um, you know, I I love wings, I love beer, I love sitting in <laughs> trolleys. I mean, it's it's iconic, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I was just yeah. so so glad to see that that's going to make it. Mm-hmm. Well, that poor guy. I mean, I watched him just every month show up and argue his case mm-hmm. and and um it was getting really painful yeah. to watch yeah. I think you know I mean he had just it had taken so I, I I don't quite I mean six months from now I may be like all full of like wisdom about this I'm just sort of like yeah yeah it, yeah I guess they do the best they can I'm really happy for him mm-hmm. yeah he's been pretty intrepid about it so. yeah well, the trolley to your point, Nick, the trolley wing company is like, yeah, that place is really iconic. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. mm-hmm. I think their that wings too. are fantastic. And it, it, it it's cash only, which to me is always like a little bit of a barrier. Oh, I think that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, Why? because they make you take that extra step and they're confident enough in their right. product that you will <laughs> take that extra step. And so when I see a cash only place, I mean, yes, I'm like, and my initial thought is, you're going to stand by whatever you're serving here. You're not going to, because I don't carry cash. And so I need to then take that extra step and yeah. it better be worth it. And the, most of the time it is. Yeah. You have to be intentional. You got to be very yeah. intentional. Yeah, absolutely. I can't not think then about the other cash only place, which is Twilight Bar. And when you're talking about oh. like standing by your product and knowing what you've got is the best, I'm just picturing Twilight. I'm like, yeah. I also, I also <laughs> love the Twilight Bar. <laughs> I do too. I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. They did a thing, uh, I think it was two years ago, where for $5, they would give you a bottle of Miller High Life. They would put it in a champagne bucket with ice and then give you two champagne glasses, but not like the tall flutes, (laughs) like the Great Gatsby style wide ones. And it was $5 cash. Nick, Nick, we shared actually one of those bottles. Yeah, of course. (laughs) When I got a new job, we celebrated. It was exciting. But yeah, I love that place. That place is iconic. That's great. You go get a crown burger down the street yeah. and have uh, <laughs> have some high life at the Twilight Lounge. It's a it's a very mm-hmm. Salt yeah. Lake experience. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Every time someone comes to visit me, I'm like, we have to go to Twilight and take a photo in the photo booth. And they're like, what's so great about the photo booth? And I'm like, well, the background is green beans. And they're like, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> and then you make a call from the payphone, yes. right? <laughs> bum a cigarette <laughs> mm-hmm. oh my gosh okay thank you both so much for being here I feel very excited now to go into this weekend and explore some of these places go out to eat my favorite thing to do I appreciate it thank you for having me on here it was fun this is fun Allie 
that's all for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. If there's a restaurant you miss or a new establishment you can't wait to try, leave us a voicemail about it and we might play it on the show. 801-203-0137. Oh, and I want to hear about what you think Salt Lake is missing food-wise. CityCast Salt Lake's lead producer is sandwich connoisseur Nick Steffens, and our producer is Diane Majapinto. A very heartfelt thank you and see you later to our roving producer, Carly on Jones. Our newsletter editor is Madeline McGill and our host is me, Ali Bayarta. Music is by Mitochondria. I hope that whatever's on your plate this weekend, it's delicious. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye.